Welcome to the Haunted Hangover Podcast. I'm Louie, and I'm joined by Ryan. This is becoming a very regular thing, I'm <laughs> noticing. <laughs> Grimes, what's going on? Why are you Why are you always y'all, here now? <laughs> y'all sick of me yet? I don't think so. Listen, man, people that listen to your show, they're coming this way, and I'm sure vice versa. So there you go. So it's a good thing for all of us, Grimey. I love having you on. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> so, that. And I, I hope people do like me being here because it sounds like I'm going to be here for a while with what we got going on now. Yes, yes. You know what? And I, and I, and I think so because... I've been getting some great feedback on our on our, uh, our Carmella Creeper <laughs> video. Lots of people have been enjoying that one. I was in I wasn't sure with some of the words I was using that people would be offended by by my my description of Carmella Creeper in that episode. So, if they're anything like us, they think exactly the same way. <laughs> yes, moist and delicious. It's it's good, man. Carmella <laughs> Creeper. She's a she's a babe. She's not a vampire. Which, which, which will be, which is a poor segue to what we're going to be talking about here. <laughs> but before I do that, uh, this is an idea I've had. Most our listeners or listeners of the show know what we're talking about because it's the title. But this has been a concept I've been toying with for a while. If you subscribe to our Patreon, to the Haunted Hangover Patreon, I think a few months ago I mentioned uh, doing this, or, or, or you know, kind of. It being an experiment, a challenge to myself, because this is a big commitment. It's oh, yeah. a lot of goddamn movies <laughs> in this franchise, or I guess franchise is what you would call oh, yeah. it. Franchise, More for sure. Franchise of films. Mm-hmm. And that's the Universal Monsters, the classic Universal Monsters, because there are some newer Universal Monsters that technically fall into that, but we're going with the old school shit. Nothing past, I believe it's like, Oh, 1960, I, I think. 19, 1950. Is the late 50s? 7, 58, yes. something like that. Now, uh, real, real quick, did you ever watch all of them before? Like, did you just pick and choose a couple here and there or what? So, I've seen, I'd say about maybe like 25 of them, 20 of Damn. them. Yeah, I've seen a lot of them. I've seen a good chunk. I'm familiar with a lot of them. Where I kind of slipped, got caught slipping, was I didn't watch a lot of the sequels. So there's certain characters that I never saw any, like the Invisible Man, for example. I think I've maybe seen one of the sequels when I think there's like four or something like that, or five even. Um, Creature from the Black Lagoon, I think I've only seen maybe two of them. So like the original Mm -hmm. and then one of the sequels. So... Then there's some I've seen all the sequels, like Frankenstein. I've seen all of them. Uh, the Dracula movie, the Wolfman movies, I've seen all of them, even though there's not that many. Dracula, I've seen maybe two or three of them. So I'm kind of spread throughout. <laughs> like, it's kind of weird. And then okay. there's some that people forget are Universal Monster movies because they technically don't have, like, an iconic monster in it. Like, you, when you oh, think yeah, of Universal sure. Monsters, you think of Frankenstein, Wolf, the Wolfman, mm-hmm. Creature from Black Lagoon. You know, there's some that people... Like that, Hunchback. That, yes, technically. And Phantom, Phantom of the Opera. Um, and, and this list we're going by, which I'm not even going to get into which one we, we picked, because this is going to be kind of our own journey in, in what films we choose to, to, to watch. But we're going by a, a list. It's a rough list, I guess. Um that we're kind of following. 
there's some movies that aren't on it because technically some of them were part of the silent era, like the original Phantom mm. of the Opera. Right. With I believe it's Lon Chaney, not Junior, mm. senior, senior. The original Lon Chaney. And some people consider that a universal monster, and then some don't because I believe it, it was like a you know it's the silent film era, so it was like the yeah. studios were very different. Even though I, I believe that was shot at Universal Studios, and I think that studio burnt down or was turned into something else, if I remember correctly. Hmm. So we're kind of going by the sound era. Everything has audio, and you can hear the characters. There's no, I love silent films. So I'm not shitting on silent films. Oh, yeah, either. yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe eventually get to some of those. But, yeah. <laughs> you Absolutely. know, now I, I think you'd agree. And and you know what? Before I move any forward, Grimey, have you seen any of these so, movies? So <laughs> I have seen, I think, four. <laughs> so wow. <laughs> I th- I've seen uh, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula. Uh, I, I've seen The Invisible Man, Creature. Um, I think that's it. And right away, before getting into this, I was thinking how awesome it be, how awesome it would be for my street cred had I watched all of them. So this is, you know, it's something I've wanted to knock off on the bucket list here. And it's, you know, it's an easy one to do. You just sit and watch a bunch of movies. And uh, I like that I have the luxury to sit here and you know bullshit about them afterwards. So <laughs> watch them and talk shit. Hell um, yeah. I always associate the Universal Monsters with Halloween to me. And I think you agree with me as well. We've talked about it before. Oh, yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah, they kind of go hand in hand. Halloween, Universal Monsters. Even to me, I think more than all, even more so than like Michael Myers, the Halloween franchise, I feel like the Universal Monsters just meld better with the Halloween season. I feel like nothing beats taking a night in October and watching like one of these movies, watching Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, The Wolfman. Wolfman's a great Halloween movie, even though it doesn't take place on Halloween or have anything to do with the holiday, but there's something about it to me. And as we go through these films, episode by episode, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll be, uh, I'm sure we'll be, Halloween will be coming up in kind of those feels that some movies might give you more than others. Oh yeah, totally. Um, And I mean, we can blame the Halloween influence uh, probably from, Pepsi and Frito Lay, yes. really. You know, they, they did the the whole boom in the '90s, and that's mostly what I'm familiar with when it comes to the Universal mm-hmm. Monsters and their awesome classic commercials and all their signage and stuff. But uh, yeah, this is completely different from the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I think that's how m- most people, when they think of the Universal Monsters, they kind of jump. They never jump into the movies. They just know the characters. They never. Take yeah. a crack. You know how many people I know have never seen like Dracula, which is what the film we're talking Me. about in this right. episode. There <laughs> right. you go. But loved the character and loved the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know, love seeing him on. You bought. We recently talked about your Pizza Hut box. They're all on that. Absolutely. And um, and that era of. Universal Monsters is the one that resonates with me as well, because I remember as a kid seeing, you know, the the re-releases of, of them on VHS, mm-hmm. seeing them, you know, being used to market junk food and other things and toys. Oh, yeah, and sure. Burger King, I think, had toys, if I remember correctly, which I think I own all of them. They did. Uh, some, and they're somewhere here. <laughs> what I think is funny, you mentioned that not a lot of people have seen all these movies. And I mean, that's fact. But like every 90s sitcom, anytime they're watching a horror movie or a spooky movie or they're watching movies during Halloween, it's always a fucking black and white movie from Universal Monsters. Yeah, it's either that or Night of the Living Dead because that's 
public oh, domain. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's, totally. It's, it's one or the other. But yeah, if it's a movie, like if it's a universal produced film, they have the rights to all these yeah. characters. So in a lot of those horror movies, they're watching like The Wolfman or something like that. So it is, again, it, it, it the holiday and the characters just go hand in hand. And, and that's why I've wanted to do this. That's why I feel like I love them. The movies I have seen that I'm quite familiar with and the one we're talking about today, I'm quite familiar with. I've seen it at least 12 times in my life. Um, you know, th- this movie, I-, I would say parts of it are very Halloweeny, And there's other films, like I said before, that kind of give you those vibes more than others. Because there's some that are sure. more science fiction. You know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's going to be a journey. It'll be fun to revisit these. And, and I can't wait to hit some that I haven't seen. I can't. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm very excited wait. for that. Mm-hmm. There's one big one I can tell you right now off the top of my head, and I believe it's on the list. Hopefully I'm right, not wrong. The Mole People. I've never seen that movie. <laughs> oh, that's a good, yeah, a good pick there. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's on the list of it's a universal monster, but you don't, you don't. You don't ever hear anyone talk about the mole people. So, oh yeah, it's so. a deep cut, man. It's like just like we were saying about uh, Hunchback and Phantom of the Opera. Nobody thinks of them as monsters; they're just like the yeah. random people. But yeah. yeah, totally. And when we get to certain movies, there'll be other references we make to other shit, and like people know this character more than the actual film itself. And even that version that Universal produced, there's a couple of characters. It's weird. But when we get to those movies, we'll, we'll dive deeper in, into that subject. Um, but we're going to start with what I would consider, and Grammy, I'm curious if you agree with me or not. Dracula is the grandfather of the Universal Monsters. Would you agree? He's the grandfather. Oh, yeah. Not only the grandfather of Universal Monsters, but he's also like, if this movie didn't exist, how different <laughs> would the, uh, you know, United States of America, the whole, like, U.S. horror in general, like, how different would it have been if this didn't exist? And uh, it's just that powerful of a film. Imagine if this movie was not a a success. We wouldn't have gotten 50 other movies after this Mm -hmm. (laughs) that Universal produced. But, yes, let's dive into 1931's Dracula. But, no, this is no dream. This is Dracula. The original terrifying story of a maniac and a man who lived after death, lived on human blood, took the form of a vampire bat, and lured innocent girls to a fate truly worse than death. So Dracula was released on February 14th, 1931, Valentine's Day. <laughs> wow. Very sexy, very it romantic. Is, yeah, it is romantic. I don't know if that was done on purpose, but it is quite fitting when you think about it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's different, but yeah, I'll allow it. I'm here. Here for it. Listen, when we dive into the movie, Dracula, he's trying to, uh, he's trying to bag himself a lady in this one. Ladies, Absolutely. in all honesty, yeah. he's bagging all the ladies. Going um, for the fourth wife. Yes, the fourth wife. <laughs> Damn, Dracula, he's got it going on. Uh, But yes, it was directed by Todd Browing, uh, who also directed another one of my favorite movies, not a universal film, Freaks. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, Grimey, but another great movie uh, that I would love to cover one day on on Haunted Hangover. It's just it's about literally circus freaks and how they're mistreated 
and then they kind of snap because there's these terrible humans. But that'll be for another day. Uh, <laughs> it's based on the 1924 stage play, which I did not know that. This is mm. not based on the 1890s. Well, obviously, it's inspired by the original Bram Stoker novel from 1897. Okay. But it takes more attributes and plot points from the stage play. Which, I did read that. Yeah, I didn't know that. I think that's yeah. a, that's pretty cool that it's like there was a novel and I get and and the original Bram Stoker Dracula novel, I've tried it reads like a journal. It's mm. a very dense read. There's a Oh, I'm sure. And I hate reading, so like I'm never going to read it. So I have no idea how well this adaptation or adaption whatever you want to call it uh holds up. Um I did read that they wanted Lon Chaney to play Dracula at first, and then, yes. so Lon Chaney Sr., he uh, passed away from cancer, then Bela Lugosi, he was on Broadway for these uh, these shows, right? And then yeah, they pulled he, him from he, them? Yeah, he portrayed Dracula in the stage play, yeah. and since his performance was so good, and when you watch this movie, it is great, <laughs> you see why oh, yeah. they wanted him. He ended up just kind of taking over the role and playing playing the lead, Count yeah. Dracula. Um, and and speaking of which, you mentioned Bela Lugosi. He plays Count Dracula. We've got Dwight Fry, who portrays another character that I feel has become quite popular, Renfield. Got his oh, own yeah. movie last year, <laughs> which mm-hmm. was okay. I will. <laughs> it was okay. So I watched it, but I fell asleep. So like yes. I didn't really finish it. Uh, so there you go. You save yourself uh, ninety minutes or whatever of your time. You're Absolutely. better off taking a nap probably than finishing that one. That's just my opinion. But the Renfield character <laughs> is pretty popular in general. Um, and when you watch this movie, you kind of see why he's basically the kind of second antagonist of the film, sort of. Mm-hmm. He's kind of just a psycho. Um, we've also got Edward Von Sloan as Van Helsing. He's another standout in this movie. Just mm. everyone in this movie has such a particular look. It's oh, yeah. obviously of the time being 1931. Like mm-hmm. it, there's something about these movies that people just looked and carried themselves so differently. It's odd looking at it now like 100 years later. You know what I mean? Like crazy. Yeah. Definitely crazy. And we've got Helen Chandler. She's the last one on my list because there's a ton of people in this movie, but she plays Mina. She's the main love interest, I guess you could say, right, or right. Dracula's obsession in the, the film. <laughs> yeah, that's what she wants. He wants her to be his countess, but yeah. things don't go uh, don't go too good for count, for good old Count Dracula there at the end. Uh, but I've got a brief synopsis here. I'm sure most of the listeners know the plot of Dracula. I'm beating a dead horse here. But in the off chance that you've never seen this movie, I'll, uh, I'll break it down for you here. So the movie follows Count Dracula, who with the help of a hypnotized Renfield, migrates from Transylvania to England. There, he becomes infatuated with two women who are friends which I, for some reason, always forget that they're friends. For some reason, I always thought they were sisters, <laughs> but they're friends. Mm. Uh, they kind of look those, like sisters, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, for, for so long, until I was like really sitting there in the last, I've watched it twice in the last couple weeks, 
I was like, they're friends, not sisters. They're yeah. just friends. <laughs> but yes, their names are Lucy and Mina. After turning Lucy into a vampire, Dracula's attention then goes to Mina. As her health declines and her behavior gets all strange <laughs> because she's being turned into a vampire, uh, Mina's father and her fiancé call Professor Van Helsing, which another character everyone is familiar with, who informs the men that Dracula is a vampire himself and that the men should kill him in order to save Mina's life. And that's Dracula. That's the main plot of Dracula. Legitimately, now, that's it. That's literally what the movie's about. <laughs> this movie is an hour and ten minutes long. It's very short. It's a quick oh, yeah. watch. Mm-hmm. Grimy. Now, before we go to some of my favorite things and some stuff you loved about the movie or maybe you didn't like about the movie we'll start with some likes first some stuff we enjoyed about the film before we get into anything we didn't like what was it like watching this for the first time since you had never seen it before um i went into it pretty excited uh i know you wanted to start with likes but i'm going to start with uh my oh, my no. dislike is that it's oh no <laughs> man it is it is a hard watch your first time around uh i actually had to watch it twice because the first time i was like not paying attention enough to it uh, the second time I was at work and I was just like doing my own thing. It was a Sunday and I was able to just kind of sit there and have my phone out and with a speaker playing. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough one to get through. Um, it's it's very very dry. It's and, quiet. And it's a quiet. It's, it, movie. it is quiet. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. is that's one thing that I wish. I know that there's like a 4K version out there now, and they use the uh, 1988 1989 score from Philip Glass, I believe his yes. name is. Um, which might have been better for me. I would have benefited from that watch a little bit more, but, uh, the silence and here's a like the silence (laughs) kind of adds some like eerie creepiness to a lot of the really, really awesome stills that they have there. Like the, the still frame shots that they Mm -hmm. have. And there's, this movie is like chock full of a ton of those. And so just some like really iconic moments. Yeah, and I'll say this when it comes to, and this is something I love about the movie. It's one of my favorite things about the movie. And I think I can get where you you got a little bored with it because I think the setup of the movie, fantastic, with Renfield going yeah. to Count Dracula's castle and then being warned by the townspeople, the people of the mountains. That's what they call themselves. For yes, Even though it looked very flat where they were, there was nothing mountainous about it. Um, and they give <laughs> it, it's true. Like when you leave yeah, like a town, I was true. like, you guys are not like maybe they're on a mountain. Dracula's castle looks like it's on a mountain, not their village. Sure. Whatever. Um, they give him the cross. Just you know, him in the horse and carriage. Everything about that setup, you know, and the visual of Dracula's castle being so oh, like man. it's basically like pure like gothic horror. That's it like, really the is best way. It's dark. It's decrepit. Full mm-hmm. of cobwebs, howling oh, yeah. wolves, fog. You know, they use a miniature, you can tell, for the um, exterior of the actual uh, castle, which I love. Um, and I think what happens is, to defend your, 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 your boredom, <laughs> to, give you, <laughs> to give you some, uh, to, 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 so that you understand, like that I understand where you're coming from, I guess. And I totally get, because I do love this movie. After he leaves Transylvania, it does dip. Yeah. I think after that initial 
kind of visit from Renfield and then him on the boat and him getting to England, that's where it's like, all right, where is this going? Because you start meeting Mina and her fiance and her dad and Lucy and you're just like, then they're at a show and Dracula just kind of shows up and it's all just him falling in love with these women. And it kind of dips away from the gothic horror element. Yeah. Yep. I, I'd say. But we're also looking at it from the perspective of 2023. Yes. And that, <laughs> and that sure, right there yeah. is like the issue I feel like for me is like I'm so desensitized to a lot of the stuff that we mm-hmm. watch now. And it's very important if you're going to watch a film like this to go in the mind frame of like this is from fucking 1931. Yeah. Their horror is I mean, this is the first of the first, basically. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like there's that. And like. What scared people then most certainly isn't going to scare people now. It's the same with comedy. What's funny then isn't necessarily funny now and vice versa. Like We evolve It is people. what it is. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. We, what, what, what's freaky now, I guess, comp- and I don't even know what's freaky now. I feel like people are so desensitized compared yeah. to something as simple as, you know, a hand reaching out of a coffin. I'm sure people were probably fucking screaming <laughs> oh, in, the, shit. in the theaters, you know. Yeah, I don't think I don't know if they said all oh, shit. That would have been amazing. Right. Oh shit is Dracula. Um <laughs> but you know, I, I feel like I, I see where you're coming from where it, it gets kind of boring. I, I, I I'm not bored, but I also think I, I went into it. I go into it I wouldn't call it the best Universal Monster movie. It's not. Right. Yeah. There are better yeah. films. But I feel like there's just certain things about it that it does right. And I think that opening scene is so powerful that when, again, when he when he leaves it, when that goes away and doesn't come, this basically doesn't come back until the end of the movie, it gets a little dry. Like you said, it's kind yeah. of like just him creeping around. I will right. say two two more things that I love about the uh, about the opening of it, and, and we're, I'm gonna, honestly, that's going to be something I talk a lot about because it's one of my favorite aspects of the of the film itself. It's kind of funny, and I don't think this was done. Uh, you know, they're not trying to be funny or comedic, but right. this goes back to it being 1931. I love how the horse and carriage like is kind of bouncing around. Like you can tell, there's like no, like they're not moving. It's just like oh, you yeah. know, bouncing mm-hmm. around. And then there's that one scene where. Redfield leaves the horse and carriage and the dude just dumps his like shit, his luggage and stuff like I don't think oh, that's yeah. supposed to be funny, but it just looks comedic because of how abrupt it is. And just out of nowhere mm-hmm. where the guy's supposed to be playing it up like this is an evil place. Renfield, why are you going here? Here's your shit. I'm leaving. I'm going to dip. And <laughs> it just comes off as comedic. Same thing with the townspeople. They're kind of hamming it mm-hmm. up as well you know, warning, warning Renfield, but I still love it so much. Like I still love that, that, that's that entire setup. I just think it's perfect. Mm -hmm. I think it's chef's kiss, you know, and then even the shots of them kind of like Dracula, his brides rising from the, from the coffins. Oh yeah. Weird random armadillos. It's yeah. I was going to say, I thought the armadillos was kind of weird. It was like, they just, whatever fucking animal they could get on their hands. They were just like, yeah, we'll throw armadillos in there. Yeah, I, I was. I, I would love to look into why that's what they chose to use. Not rats. So they wanted to use rats. They wanted to, okay. but the audience 
they were saying that the audience uh, did not react to rats kindly, I guess. Um, mm. And that they were too afraid of them. Like it was pushing the boundaries of, of uh, horror at that point in time. Wow, the pushing the boundaries, a rat. Yeah. So Rats, an armadillo is a, is a substitute for it? Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Such man, an vampires and armadillos go hand in hand. It's the last animal I think of when I think of a, a vampire. When I think of Dracula, armadillos do not come to mind at all. <laughs> so, Maybe an anteater or something. I don't know. Yeah. That'd be more terrifying. There's nothing Probably. scary about an armadillo, but <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah. I will say this, and, and I'm sure this is something uh, you'd agree with me on when it comes to just something that is iconic and you probably know what I'm going to say. And I think we'll have a lot to say about this. Bella Lugosi as Count Dracula carries the movie to the point that when he's not oh, yeah. on screen, the movie, it feels like it's missing something. He's the main attraction of this. It's obviously called Dracula. So, right, right. You know, we know how to save Miss Mina's soul, if not her life. If she dies by day, but I shall see that she dies by night. And I will have Carfax Abbey torn down stone by stone, excavated a mile around. I will find your earth box and drive that stake through your heart. Well, between him and uh, Fry, the guy that plays... White Fry, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... If either one of them are missing, it, it's it's hard for me to pay attention, I guess. Like, I did, obviously, but it's it's better when both of them or one of them, either one interchangeably, is on. Just because it, it, it's, there's a certain energy there that, like, has me focused on it. Obviously, with Renfield, his cynicism, it's, like, way over the top and almost comedic. Like, it is funny at times where he's, like, they open the, the boat and he's just down there. <laughs> yeah. Like... What the fuck? But it, it works really, well, really, really well for his character, and it's, uh, it's, it's entertaining, to say the least. The best thing about Renfield and Dwight, Fry, Dwight Fry's performance is that he'll go from, like, cool and collective to chaotic in, like, two seconds. Yeah. He'll be like, oh, I'm calm. And I'm like, you know, yeah, totally. you know. Like, it'll, it's so, like, his desperation just mm-hmm. kind of – because he'll go from, like, trying to warn them about his master – yeah. So freaking out about the mass, like Dracula coming back or them yeah. finding out information, even though he's the reason that everything goes south for Dracula in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say there's that one scene where he's begging Dracula. And I know we kind of jumped off of Dracula and went to Renfield, but he's begging Dracula to like kill him and, and it's a great scene like it's such a great performance and dwight fry pops back up in other universal monster movies like we're definitely right. he comes back and that actor man he has such a specific look like there's just again it goes back to what i said earlier about people of the time like the two of them just the performance and even bella lugosi it, there's just something carried they're very charismatic with these kind of you would say they're kind of cookie cutter performances because it's like just craziness and then really like calm, like Dracula's kind of sexy and cool. And then Renfield's kind of crazy. There's not much to it, but they take that and they elevate it a ton. You know what I mean? And oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They they outshine everyone basically. Yeah. Everyone is outshined in the movie. Even, even um, the actor that plays uh, Van Helsing, Edward Von Sloan, he's good in this. 
but mm-hmm. he's not Dwight Fry or Bella Lugosi. You know what I mean? No, no. <laughs> yep. Um, and one more thing I want to say about this, and and I think it's probably one of the more important things when it comes to the original 1931 Dracula is this this Dracula is the blueprint for every single vampire or portrayal of Dracula that exists, like Halloween costumes, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the idea of whenever you see like a Dracula decoration, it's, it's the, the suit with the pop collar cape thing, you know, the Mm -hmm. widow's peak, even though he didn't have a widow's peak, um, in, in his actual look, there's no widow's peak, Right, but yeah. you know he's got you know the the eyes the the hand the, he does the whole like kind of hand thing when he's trying to like mm-hmm. hypnotize them. Everything about this this performance um, is iconic. That's that's the only oh, yeah. word I could really use when it comes to just the character of Dracula. And when we think of Dracula, this is what we think of. You know, yes. this is what comes to mind. Absolutely. Even something as simple as a real Ghostbusters figure like that leached out into just every recognizable vampiric thing you can think of. This character, there's some bit of him in each one. And that's one thing that I did love about this movie is like, obviously, I've seen like the Lost Boys. I've seen, um, you know, every other vampire movie and Dracula. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All these other ones. And it's really kind of an eye-opener to see what bits and pieces of this film stuck in all these other films. And it was like, oh, you know, every every other scene, I'm like, that, that, they use this in Fright Night, and they use this in whatever other movie. And it's just kind of cool to see that come to fruition. Like, um, with the wine in the beginning there, you see that kind of concept hit in Lost Boys, right, towards when, uh, well, Michael's taking his first swig of wine like it's just kind of cool how they they took bits and pieces yeah the whole thing with dracula i never drink wine right isn't that what he says i think that he's mm. like i never drink wine he's got a lot of like really memorable lines too in this one of my favorite lines he has in this is he goes uh, listen to them children of the night what music they make like that's oh, yeah. a that's a line i think everyone i've heard that in the beginning mm-hmm. of like songs have used it and yeah. stuff like that because it's such a memorable like if you're like a goth kid that's your line children yeah. of the night what music they make like that's mm-hmm. every goth kid worships dracula and 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 vampire culture and shit like that um, oh yeah you know what i did find interesting and i and i was thinking about it while i was watching this movie two things stood out to me the top hat you never see a portrayal of Dracula wearing a top hat. And in this movie, you see he's only he wearing it. it like in one or two scenes. But right. it's a top hat. You never see you never see any like images of like a Dracula costume or a traditional Dracula costume with a fucking top hat. The second thing, I don't know if you noticed this or not, no fangs. No fangs. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, Crazy. and uh I don't. I, I'm not certain. You can call me out on this one if you if you prefer to. But I don't think he hissed at all. Mm-mm. Was there any hissing involved? I didn't think. No hissing. Yeah. So there's like some very prominent uh, Dracula esque aspects that you would think would be in this film, but weren't. And the I thought that was The fangs are the strange. biggest one to me. Oh yeah. I always even, forget. Even the widow's peak thing. Like I, yeah. I assumed. You know when you th- like you said like when you think of Dracula or you think of a vampire, you're like, yeah, well, the widow's peak, but like, 
not there. So weird. What I would love to know, and I don't even know this information, what started the fanged vampire craze it must have been a sequel what i think happens when it comes to the look of dracula and them all being based on bella lugosi's portrayal is it's exaggerated like i think throughout the years it's been exaggerated that's like where the widow's peak comes from the fangs Mm. the that charm you know whenever you see a dracula costume it's like a charm or he doesn't wear that but whenever you see a dracula costume that's usually there so yeah. it is it is an interesting kind of realization that you, you see that this is a really kind of simple uh, performance as Dracula. Well, one of the most to me, the thing that this Dracula or this version of Bela Lugosi, Bela Lugosi's original Dracula is all the like eyes, the wide eyed look. Oh, yeah. He never blinks yep. with the yep. lighting across his eyes and everything else is dark i love those shots dude he looks so fucking sinister oh yeah very menacing yeah anytime he's like talking to these people telepathically or whatever he's doing uh it's just like it's a focused shot still shot on his eyes and the lighting it is very weird like the lighting how it's just like one rectangular light that's like on his eyes it's it's eerie man it's kind of creepy and uh it's effective I could see people in 1931 screaming at those shots Being of like, just oh, shit. Dracula, <laughs> like him yeah. just staring with his yep. eyes lit up, and that's like you know, it just he wasn't. An, it's an intimidating performance. Like this yeah. does not look like a pushover Dracula. He even no. shares that one scene with uh, with Van Helsing where, and I love it. It's like they're pressing each other, where Van Helsing is standing there, Dracula's trying to hypnotize him. It's a great scene. It's probably one of my oh, favorite yeah, scenes yeah. in it. And he's trying to hypnotize uh, Van Helsing, and Dracula realizes it's not it's working, and then Van Helsing kind of snaps out of it and takes a step back. And he tells him, like, you're a lot stronger than you look. Yeah, hey, you're real strong. Then, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Van Helsing kind of pulls out a he, – he, he kind of steps forward and then pulls out a cross and, like, presses him with that. Or, you mm-hmm. know, so I, I, do, I do love that. There, there's just – like when you talk about the movie, you realize how important of a Dracula movie it is. You know, sure, like even yeah, now absolutely. talking about it, you're like, you know what? It is. It is vital. Everything we know about the vampire film comes from this movie. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there isn't uh, there isn't a lot of energy on screen. That's for sure. And like the energy <laughs> that you do get is it's very still, but also very like menacing and and. Uh, cynical i guess but it's entertaining to say the least it's it, for sure it, and and he has there's there's one more thing I, that always stuck out stood out to me about this movie and i love it because it's almost like i try to figure out if it's comedy you know looking back at 1931 there's a mm-hmm. line where dracula you know he 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 when he moves to england from transylvania he buys this castle called carfax abbey yeah. And it's like run down and stuff like that. And they ask him or one of the other characters, it might be like Mina's father or fiance or something goes, oh, are you going to fix it up? Like it could use, a, you know, a fixer upper. And Dracula says he's like, oh, no, I like it that way. It reminds me of my castle back home or something. It's such oh, yeah. a, like he's very just so good. And, I, and I'm like, is that a joke? It comes off as a joke. 
like yeah, there oh, are I like it all kind of you know decrepit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there are certain points in the film where it's it's hard to tell if they meant to be funny or what. Uh, there's only one real, in my opinion, comedic comedic relief in the film, and that's that. He's like the the worker in the hospital. The orderly, that's kind of the orderly. And yeah, big. yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's kind of a goofy bastard. I really like his character. Yeah, he's the one that's always having to go fetch Renfield every time he gets. Mm-hmm. Renfield's forever getting loose. Basically, he's escaping his, yeah. his cell every like ten minutes. They just have to. Oh, we got to take him back to his cell so he can eat bugs. And it's a great. It it's the. I think there's even a point. Like, if I remember correctly, there's a scene where the orderly, that guy is talking to the maid and he just tells her that he thinks everyone's losing their mind. Everyone's crazy basically yes. in this house. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably, probably the uh, comedic relief yeah. when it comes he's like, to uh, <laughs> the movie. In that spot, he's like, I even second guess you sometimes to the maid or whatever. Really funny. <laughs> like they have their own little side story that, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that they're kind of uh, going through. They're the audience. That's what I took that performance as. Like they're us yeah. basically, yep. you know, like, Oh, what are these psychos doing? Like, cause they don't believe in vampires. They don't think Renfield's supernatural. They don't know anything. They're just doing. They're like the day to day guy. They're just doing their job yeah. and trying to go home and and have their own personal lives. All right. So we talked about some stuff we liked for the most part, except for you, Grimy, Grimy, <laughs> Grimy went <laughs> just into some beating things. it to death right in the beginning. Grimy, you went into some stuff you didn't like. Uh, one thing that I'll say. It's not, I don't hate it, but it's kind of anticlimactic and abrupt is Mm. the ending of the movie. So what ends up happening, super abrupt. It's very, and I think that's just, again, a product of 1931 and of the time. So what ends up happening at the end of the movie is Van Helsing and Mina's fiance, they stumble across Renfield because at this point, Dracula, he took Mina and he's bringing her back to his lair in the castle at Carfax Abbey. And what ends up happening is they, like, see him, like, Renfield stumbling. And they're, like, following him closely and hiding. They find Carfax. They le- it leads to, like, the basement of Carfax Abbey. And Dracula kind of quickly kills Renfield. And then what ends up happening is the fiancé goes to find Mina and then Van Helsing just stakes. He finds Dracula's, yeah. uh, his like dirt is like, you know, because that's another thing that you hear in vampire lore. They have to bring their dirt from their home and sleep in it. That's where the whole coffin thing comes from. Right. Um, but yeah, he just stakes him. It's off screen. You don't see it. All you hear is a scream from Dracula. And then Van Helsing just kind of, Mina's, Mina's back to normal. And then you just see like Van Helsing and the fiance and Mina just like, all right, he's dead. Dracula's dead. We can move That's on. It. It, it, it's, it's just like, are you coming with us then? He's like, nah, you go ahead. I'm going to watch Dracula die. I'm like, what the fuck? That's it? <laughs> yeah, it's weird because you expect, you know, they, they hype up Dracula so much in this movie. It's such a great, mm-hmm. you know, we gushed about it for 20 minutes. The performance, his aura, everything about him. And then he's just... Not much of a fight. He just no, goes into no his fight. Co- no, he goes into his coffin and then is staked, dies. Doesn't even yeah. like grab Van Helsing by the throat one last ditch attempt to kill him before being yeah. killed himself. Nothing. 
just yep, dies. That would have been a great way to elevate the film, too. Like, if there was at least a little struggle. It was just like, well, I'm going to go to bed and serve myself to these assholes. And that's literally what happened. Like, oh, my God, missed opportunity. But, again, I mean, what are you going to do? It is what it is. <laughs> is there anything else you didn't like about the movie besides the slow pace? Okay. So there was, yeah, obviously the slow pace. Um, I felt like some of the spots were kind of drug out. Uh, one thing I think could have been pretty cool is if we could have seen some more like transition scenes, kind of like, well, I know Dracula, he obviously turns into bats. He at one point turns into a wolf. Um, what was stopping them from from showing more of that actually happening, I guess? I mean, I know that the the... the the cinematography or whatever you want to call it, um, camera work, it's just not there in the 1930s. But, like, I feel like they could have done something to kind of <laughs> yeah. show that things are happening a little bit better. I feel like the only effect, special effect they have in the movie, well, two, is the little smoke pillows that yeah. are kind of like, like ambers on the ground. And then the bat. The bat's a, it's a fake bat. That they're trying to shoo away whenever Dracula transforms. Yeah, you never actually see. It's kind of like Bella Lugosi walks out of frame, and then you see the animal. That's it. Yeah. Yep. That's basically yeah. what happens. I'm not gonna lie. I really love the bat. I, I, yeah. Something. It's just so like cheesy and funny. Hokey. I just feel like yeah, but it like really adds to the the aesthetic for some reason. Like yeah. seeing all this really super like uber gothic stuff, and then it's just like this flimsy little bat. Just ah. yeah. Like, <laughs> There he is. <laughs> the shot of the fiance kind of trying to shoo it away, like when Minnie goes out to the balcony to talk to Mina, and the bat's just flying, and he's like trying to like. It's so it does when you when you like watch it, you're just like this is so dumb looking. But yeah, hey man, it worked. Um, mm -hmm. I, I want I watched this movie two times. I just want to point this out too. So I watched it on Blu-ray. I've got the Universal Monsters. A lot of the movies, the way I'm gonna watch them, as they're covered here, as we cover them is going to be mostly through that box set because that has a good chunk right. of them. But I also watched it on VHS <laughs> the second time. I watched nice. this VHS. This was the 90s re-release that I'm sure you're familiar with. Most people oh, yeah. are familiar with these tapes, you know, with that 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 logo there that we mm -hmm. all know and love, the, uh, the Universal Monsters logo with the moon and all the characters around it. I will say watching it on VHS, there's something special about it. It's a different... Oh, yeah different vibe i watched the, the like hd blu-ray that looked great and then mm -hmm. in my second viewing i said you know what i'm gonna pop in this tape popped it in and it was great it was i almost enjoyed watching it on vhs more and yeah. i, I yep. mean i mean that in the least pretentious way possible right no i get it totally like when i was looking it up and it said something about a 4k re-release and this and that and i was like man fuck that i want to go backwards i, I want the vhs yeah, I, dude, I'd recommend watching it on V. Like, if you can, I know not everyone is like us and has a VHS collection and a VCR, but yeah. I'd recommend. Like, there's just it changes sort of the atmosphere of the movie. Like, this is a great, you know, restoration of the film as well. Even though this yeah. came out, I think in '91 or '92, this was like right. early '90s. Um, mm -hmm. but there's just a certain vibe 
it, oh, yeah. it lets off when you watch it on it VHS. Like nice you know? graininess to it. Yeah, it's very, it's very good. Like the only thing I'm missing is watching it like on a small tube TV. Unfortunately, my VHS is con- my VHS player, my VCR <laughs> is connected to my like HD TV, so it's you know it's not yeah. it's not this small tube television. Um, mm-hmm. But what are your uh, your closing thoughts, Grammy? First time, first time watching Dracula. <laughs> well, real quick before we get to that, yeah. um, there is. I know I talked a little bit about the, the score not being there and that there is another version where they have uh, uh, some music over top of it. Um, what it lacked in a score, it gained in sound effects, mm. right? So, like, I wrote it down in my notes. I feel like it's kind of like watching one of those spooky sounds for Halloween CDs in, uh, in real time, you know what I mean? Yeah, I could see So, that, like, yeah. that was appreciated, too. I really I, – I loved all the, the sound effects. Um it's and that kind of ties in with everything that I feel at the end here. Um it's it's an eye opener, man. Like it really <laughs> is an eye opener. You should watch these and at least give them a chance even if you're not like a huge fan. Um you can relive your uh your dreams of being one of those 90s teenage sitcom people and you know, watch a uh, a quintessential horror movie, a black and white one at that. Um it, it it is good. Don't get me wrong. Like I do enjoy this. I did enjoy my second watch through. Um as as slow as I did think it was. Uh it's it's an important film. It's very iconic. A lot of the, the stills and stuff I really, really loved and um I don't know, the the lore makes more sense to me now that I've watched <laughs> it, I guess. Now you understand like where where every every version of Dracula you've seen in history and every vampire film, like you said, now you exactly. know. You know the only other movie I can think that kind of also influenced it was Nosferatu, obviously. Yeah, totally. But that's for another day. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll close out by saying this: it's it's not the best Universal monster movie. I said that earlier. It's not the worst, and I know that for no, a fact definitely. because there's there's some other en- entries that are stinkers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Bella Lugosi will always be the best Dracula, and this oh, movie yeah. proves it. He is at the end of the day when you say the word Dracula, this is what you think of. That is who you think of, and I think regardless of what you think of the movie, boring, fantastic, a slog, scary, whatever, you have to agree. That Bella Lugosi's performance as this character just owns owns everything that comes with Dracula. Like this is the quint essential Dracula, like the most important version. Oh yeah, he's top tier. They didn't put him on a Count Chocula box for nothing. <laughs> Seriously, come on. He is uh, definitely spot on, man. I, I really enjoyed his portrayal of it. Um, it's hard to believe how many other people portrayed this character. Like we couldn't have just froze him and kept him for life. <laughs> yeah, just just, <laughs> just froze Bella Lugosi. Yeah, man, he has yeah, an man. interesting career. If you ever want to take a deep dive, just read about Bella Lugosi and just kind of where he went in life and just his career. It's kind of depressing, but also just interesting. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen Ed Wood. I I always no. tell people, yeah, watch the Tim Burton film from Johnny Depp plays Ed Wood. Um, and, uh, I think it's, uh, forget the actor's name. I know his name, but it come Martin Landau, Martin Landau mm. portrays Bela Lugosi in the film. And he 
brings like he basically brings Bela Lugosi back from the dead. Like he does a fantastic. Oh, no he, I think he might have won or was nominated for an Oscar for uh, that performance. And that that movie, you know, I know we're going off on a little tangent here, but that movie, Ed Wood, basically just it's the end of Bela Lugosi's life and like right. what how important he was to Hara and just you know the character of Dracula. Like he he is he is that. He thought he was that character. That's how important it was to him. And when you watch the movie, even though I'm sure it's exaggerated because it's 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 you know loosely based on what really happened, you could kind of just see that it was not only is Dracula important to all of us, but it was just as important to him. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make! So that was 1931's Dracula. Next up, we'll be talking about the Spanish language version that was released the same year. Didn't even get into that because that's technically a whole separate movie. So keep an eye out for that one. Grimy. Absolutely. Thank you for doing this with me. We've got plenty of other films to go. Oh yeah, we're in for the long haul. I yes. can't wait to hit all of them. This is going to be uh this is going to be an adventure. It is. Where can people find you? Well, if you would like to find me online, you can go to leftoverpizzaclub.com and you can also listen to Leftover Pizza podcast on I believe all major streaming platforms right now if you'd like. So, uh yeah, check us out there as well. And be sure to subscribe, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, MySpace, at Haunted Hangover. Head over to hauntedhangover.com for links to the audio-only version of this episode, the video version of this episode, our Patreon page, which has exclusive episodes of the podcast. And, as always, remember, the best cure for a hangover is... More booze. Catch you guys later. And remember, there are far worse things awaiting man than death. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's deep, bro. It's real deep. (laughs) 